Welcome back to another episode of Cyberstar Talks podcast. I am Iona. As always, I am so thrilled you're spending your precious time with me and my honored guest. Today's guest is Carmen Marsh, a well-known technology leader, cybersecurity entrepreneur, and educator. She has worked with various uh, famous companies such as uh, Sony Incorporated, Stanford Research International, Meridian Systems, USC, and CEA. In 2019, she launched a successful tuition-free fast-track upskilling program called 100 Women in 100 Days Cybersecurity Career Accelerator with funding from Craig Newmark Philanthropy. Carmen has also created an international spotlight for highlighting the female cybersecurity role models with the first ever Cybersecurity Women of the Year Award Gala in Las Vegas in 2019 at the Black Hat Conference. Carmen Marsh is the founder and president of the United Cybersecurity Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization carrying out a very important mission and vision to unite the global cybersecurity community, as well as provide a platform for women to learn cybersecurity, enhance their skills, and gain hands-on experience for successful entry and retention within the field. She has also founded other global initiatives, including the Ally of the Year Awards, Global CISA Town Halls, Sacramento Valley Cyber Salons, and DEI include Cybersecurity Forum. Carmen has been recognized internationally for her outstanding entrepreneurial work, making an impact on the cybersecurity workforce. Welcome to the Cyberstar Talks, Carmen, and I'm so honored to have you here today. Thank you, Iona. It's just such a pleasure uh, to be here and have a conversation with you. Carmen, you have an outstanding experience in tech and cybersecurity. Can you tell us about your journey in these fields, the factors that have influenced your career path? What inspired you to start your own organizations and what drives you forward? Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, typically, when you look at cybersecurity, um, there are two different very common paths that, that people enter into. So either it's infrastructure, servers, networking sort of path, or you would say programming. So code development. Those are the two very, very specific paths if you start to in investigate how people get into cybersecurity. Um, however, so I have half of each. Um, initially, I, I don't have a computer science degree. But when I moved to San Jose, and of course, being in the middle of uh, Silicon Valley, um, it was all just about computers, networking computers, and me just being a curious person, I immediately said, I want to know more. I want to know how to break down the computer. I want to build it back together. I want to learn how to network it. And just, I want to know how things work. You know, that was just sort of a, my my um, own curiosity, I you would say. So even with no background in in technology, um, as I you know upskilled, I, I learned. I attended TM. I attended a class in San Jose um, that were just pretty much teaching you. It was um, it was a year long program at the place called Computer Learning Center. So I've learned literally how to build a computer, how to network computer, how to administer servers. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting, um, you know, schooling for me. I've learned a lot. And immediately after that, 
um, got a job at Sony Incorporated as one of my first jobs in in um, technology. And every, uh, I would say, uh, since then, you know, it's been quite a few years, I have loved every part of my journey because when I look back, I literally started at, I, I don't know if I want to say at the bottom, but I started as a tech support. I was, um, yeah, working at a help desk. I did system engineering. I did um, um, I did information security engineering. Then I went into program management. Um, so I basically touched into, every area, right? Touch every area, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's exactly what I what I'm I'm trying to say. It's 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 an interesting journey, and you know, awesome. even with me not having the technical background. It it opened the doors for me once I got those skills, you know, and later we're going to be talking a little bit about the 100 Women 100 Days program that we have. And I think it's really, um, you know, it came to me as from my own experience of how much that hands-on experience helped me get into the field. Um, but yeah, every, every, um, every job that I've had up to now really have taught me something. And has contributed to to my successes, to my career, and um, yeah, me, just meeting a great community too that we're both part of. Yeah, outstanding. So, what unique challenges do women face in cybersecurity industry nowadays, and how does your organization support them? Um, well, one of the things I think uh, women we are sometimes our uh, worst enemies, our own worst enemies, because we stay in our heads and uh, you and I briefly talked about it earlier is, is we think because the perception is there that uh, that technology and even specifically cybersecurity is something that men do. It's yeah. it, it's, it's very technical is you got to be great at math. You have to all these different perceptions that the women have and the society perhaps even has um, is, is, not really true, but we if we have if we stay in our heads and keep thinking that way, then of course opportunities won't open up for us, and and we are not going to you know break those barriers that that society has kind of created intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, but I, but I think uh, yeah we we do that to ourselves a lot, just thinking that we are not technical enough or we couldn't do these jobs and so on. Right. We are, we are often quite self-stigmatized, unfortunately. Exactly. And uh, I think what I, what I would say for, any, uh, for anyone, any woman specifically thinking that that's the case, um, you know, talk to others, find, find a mentor, uh, talk to somebody in the community and find out everything you possibly can about the different jobs, um, about what it's like to work um, in cybersecurity in general, and then look for some of the, the great things you want to know about the company that you are perhaps even looking at as potential future employer. You know, so so how do you find a great, great employer is another important thing for women, because I, I would say if you have a bad experience joining a company and you are in your first cybersecurity job, if that experience is bad, I think what may happen is that you're going to turn around you know, and leave uh, and maybe never look back. And that's exactly, that's not what we want, you know? So we want that first job to be a great experience. 
you know, with a company that can provide a mentorship and provide that support that you need as being a novice in a job. That's absolutely right. And overall, it is essential to continue working towards leveling the playing field for women in cybersecurity, not only to promote fairness, but also to improve the industry effectiveness in, in addressing cyber threats. Because by having diverse groups um, in the field, then we, we are also more protected because we have different opinions, we have different mindsets, we have uh, different approaches on the table. Yeah, that's exactly. And for too, way too long, we've had a something we, we, we typically refer to as group thing. When you have the same background, um, you know, that's why it's even when I was talking about my background, not being a technical background, I've learned my own skills. Like I, I've learned everything I, I do because I was curious and I wanted to do that. Um, but it doesn't have to be technical. You, you don't have to have a computer right. science you know, to, to get into it. So we, we need a different perspectives. We need people that think differently, that have different backgrounds. We have noticed that a lot of um, military, for example, we, our students, some of them have been in military and then as they exit military, they're looking for something else to do. And what we really realized was that their whole mentality of being a defender you know, they, they, they live that day to day to defend, to protect. Right. It was a perfect transition from military into cybersecurity. Wow. You know? That's really so amazing. Like, right. I mean, it's you you wouldn't think that. And and I also think that another aspect um, uh, why women are really great in cybersecurity is to because we, we, we naturally protective you know once you have a family and and children and we are very very protective we're also very creative uh, we see um we see everything in colors and not so much black and white all right when you look at things and you have multiple solutions to the same um basically the same end um you know th th there's the same result but you can come in a different different paths and different ways to the conclusion women are really good at that um and i'm not trying to this is really general of course i mean there are men that are that way as well but but i i just know from all these you know hundreds of conversations i've had with with women it's really interesting to see how their thinking is different than um you know if if you basically give the same uh, same issue or same situation to resolve to to uh, you know ten women and then ten men and how they come about with a solution. It's it's very interesting to watch that. Um, so so yeah, I mean there's so many preset um, conditions or or uh, I, I would say benefits you know or traits that women have that can do really well in cybersecurity jobs. Absolutely. And you're doing a great job in mentoring and featuring women in cybersecurity. As I pointed out earlier, you, you have established some organizations for cybersecurity, which aim to spotlight and pay tribute to female cybersecurity experts who are contributing massively to the field, but also to break the barriers. So can you tell us more about uh, these initiatives? Absolutely. Um, well, one of the biggest one and the most recognized um, is the Cybersecurity Woman of the Year Awards. We started that in 2019 
Exactly, with the with the intention of showcasing other amazing women in cybersecurity, kind of recognize their achievements, and and really create those role models because we we felt that there wasn't enough of the spotlights, there wasn't enough of the recognition for female uh, professional cybersecurity, which is so important for anyone, for any woman that's looking from outside in. They they need someone they, who they can relate to. So, so all of these women that we highlight, we really make sure that they, they shine and they are in the media. They, they are, you know, we, we do videos, we do, we really promote them with intention of other women, you know, paying attention to that and, and understand that that is if these women have done so well in cybersecurity, they can also do that. You know, it just kind of makes it more a level, um, you know, from their perspective and not think, oh. You know, only technical people can succeed in cybersecurity. Only, oh, I couldn't do that. It's just too, you and I talk about that. It. It's too nerdy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great message. That's really a great message by featuring successful role models in cybersecurity. It's much more easier to, to make other women aware that they have the potential to, to do the same. Exactly. And that that really is, that was our goal with these awards. Um, and then um, the next one was the Owl of the Year or is Owl of the Year Awards. We, we realized that we also have to, for, for women to be successful in cybersecurity or in te- technology in general, I think it's super important to have that support across the board, whether you're looking at a company, whether you're looking at um uh, educational entities, whether you're looking at media, what are you looking at? No matter where you look, if there is support for women, you know, to to basically do what they can to be allies to women, they should be recognized. Whether there's uh, maybe one person in a company that has done an amazing job to elevate women, they he should be recognized, you know. So we, we um, have 10 different awards related to do so we have an ally of the year for company uh media investor we even have investor we have educator um a male ally of the year um so that is again that's another support and uh, and basically saying look at all these amazing companies people programs that are doing all these things for women to be elevated to be recognized and and really to be their allies um, so that was another important piece to what we do. We still don't have enough women in cybersecurity jobs. And, and, you know, years back was that there's still perception that women are not interested in cybersecurity. And so in 2018, I intentionally said on um, LinkedIn, I said, I'm going to be launching this free of um, tuition free program that is going to upskill women for jobs in cybersecurity. And I tell you, within first 60 minutes, I had at least 60 women ask me, how do we sign up? And that was just, <laughs> that was a great, great way to bust the myth because it's, it's a myth. You know, every conversations I've had in the past, a lot of people would say, why are you trying so hard? Why are you trying to get women into cybersecurity jobs? And I said, because first of all, I truly enjoy what I do. I know many women that enjoy what they do in cybersecurity. And um, I think we are needed. Women are needed for, you know, that first um, thinking for, for all the skills and, and strengths we can bring. 
So I feel, you know, I feel strongly about it. And that was certainly, you know, uh, busting the myth from, from my end. And I was happy to put that on social media as well. Busting the myth for those that are non-believers. <laughs> and so uh, since then, yeah, we've upskilled um, 320 plus something. We have another cohort starting in March this year. Uh, we have been global. So we have in- invited women from every continent in the world. Um, and recently, we are also trying to uh, put the boots on the ground, basically have some sort of ambassador type of uh, setup in different countries, because it's it's important to do some also uh, in-person training. All of our workshops are currently online. Uh, so I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tuition free, no cost, but everything we put in our program is really just to prepare our women for jobs. So it's, it's based on hands-on. Uh, it gives you the, the industry certifications like MTS Security Plus and Network Plus, A Plus and such. Um, and um, also includes career coaching, mentorship, um, you know, mock interviews. We, we do connections with employers. We have a recruiting, we have a two recruiting companies we're partnering with. And also we have <laughs> employer partners so we can place our women in a jobs. Um, anyway, I think any country would, would hugely benefit for a similar Absolutely. program. This is an amazing initiative because it covers end-to-end the whole process from preparing the women to have the, the right knowledge to, to get into this field until finding a job. Exactly. And we help them get into jobs. You know, we have, because we have partnerships with uh, with a lot of large uh, corporations like uh, uh, Microsoft, IBM, Intel, and you know there there's several companies that are willing to bring our graduates in. You know we we kind of help them open a the door to get into the field. So it, yeah, it's it's been nothing but um, great experience. Carmen, uh, what advice would you give to individuals looking to craft an impactful CV when applying for cybersecurity positions? And what do you think sets apart a standout candidate in the industry? You know, um, having to, to work with our uh, cohorts uh, and we, we we do the full cycle. So basically we, we take our, our women through, uh, for example, CompTIA certification training and then all these hands-on workshops that we pro- provide as part of it. Um, we also uh, provide recruiting services and we... Um, we place them in a job. So what we've noticed is that especially when you're starting your career in cybersecurity, you may not have a lot of experience, but you've got to list all the hands-on experience you do have. And, and another thing is um, work with someone because as part of our program, we do, we have a career coaching uh, uh, that we provide. And so, so what women get out of this is is we help them with a the resume, so um, CV. Uh, we take what they've done in previous jobs, take those strengths, and then map them to the to the future cyber jobs. So I think um, the the big point that's missed there a lot missed there a lot is that people think just because they weren't working in cybersecurity before, none of those um, you know skills and and strengths will sort of uh, translate to cybersecurity jobs, but they're wrong. And 
I think that's one of the things that um, our career coaches are helping our students to develop. And that looks good on the resume because you have things that you've done in the past jobs that can be translated and added to the to the future resume. So chimes and, and shows those strengths. But some companies still continue to demand a minimum of one or two years of experience, even for entry-level roles in cybersecurity, which doesn't make sense. So this can be particularly daunting and discouraging for women seeking to enter the industry. Absolutely. You hit, yeah, you, you hit the point there. And there, uh, actually, the issue is multi- multifold here. One is that, um, you know, being on the hiring side, I've been a hiring manager for many, manager for many years. And what typically happens is when you're looking for someone, of course, you're asking for everything that, you, you know, it's like a wish list that you want in a candidate. Um, but that's uh, that's not always a good thing. Um, obviously, especially when you have someone who is just entering the field and they get extremely, um, extremely intimidated. So company has been doing that. And I can tell you, honestly, I have worked with employers and I work with um, um, recruiters as well to fix that. So, so, Basically, when they are writing the job, uh, writing the job description, they have to think about somebody who just either graduated and has a limited, you know, amount of hands-on experience, uh, but also those that maybe have a little bit, but still not two years. This is too much to ask for somebody who hasn't had a chance exactly. to be in the, in the entry-level job, right? So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And now that's one part. So I think we have to continue working with uh, with uh, corporations, with uh, with hiring managers, we recruiting, uh, you know, staff uh, or recruiting or staff agencies to fix that. So and and it's going to take all of us to fix those job descriptions. You know, um, we'll have to bring that up a lot more and more often. Um, I know that there's been a lot of conversations around it, but really, I think louder we speak up about these things, I think sooner. Perhaps corporations and hiring managers will realize that it doesn't make any sense the way the job descriptions are written right now. So that's one piece. The other piece is women. And, and I always love that part to, to explain this because as women are more of perfectionists. So when we are looking at job descriptions, we only feel comfortable when we check probably 90% of the requirements on a job description. That's absolutely true. <laughs> right? And and I know that because, you know, this is from uh, from my experience, but also having conversations with other women is like when they look to apply for a job, they, if, unless they have, they're close to like 85 to 90% of the job requirements, they don't even apply. But then we look at our male counterparts and they, if it's 30% of what is on a job description, they will apply. And they've done research on that. We are our own worst enemies sometimes. And, you know, we just, we want to be perfect on all parts. Um, and then we shy away from a great opportunity. When I mentor women, a lot of times I would tell them, you know, if you have any experience you know, you may think it's not enough to actually put on your resume, but you have to put it on there. And then when you get an interview, you explain, you say, I have a limited uh, skills or experience, 
on this topic, but I have researched and I I'm a fast learner and I will, you know, I can't wait to learn more. Right. So, so it's kind of, it's, it's just different. You have to approach it differently. Uh, Carmen, talking about uh, job interviews, can you share some tips for individuals who are looking to break into the cybersecurity field and are preparing for job interviews? What are the key components of a successful interview in this industry and what should candidates be sure to showcase in order to stand out? Um, great question. Um, I think, you know, how there's, a, of course, a lot of opinions out there. Um, but I think if you um, are lucky enough to get the, the interview scheduled, I think, first of all, you have to do due diligence, you know, to if you really going to stand out, you need to research the company, you need to um, also be on top of everything they're asking for in that job description. So you can ask questions because it's a two way. It's not just them interviewing you. You must interview them as well. Exactly. So, so more um, homework you do, more research, um, more of, you know, just understanding what the company does, what, you know, where, because there, there's a lot of information out there that you can do your research on. Um, and also, I think people, especially hiring manager they may be if if they see that you're freely engaged, you understand the company, you you are uh, on top of things. Even in, even the latest technology, perhaps, perhaps even bring up. Look, I've, I I know this is what's going on in the industry. I can't wait to get on learning more about this and just be um, super prepared. Be always always prepared to do your homework. Right. Be truthful. Also, if you have something on your resume, do not say you are an expert if you're not, because that's going to disqualify you immediately. Um, you you need to tell them, you know, this is how much I know about this. But I, I can tell you I'm a quick learner and I will get there uh, just to build that trust. I think it's very important to have that um, honest and, and trustful conversation. Um, and of course, yeah. A, do your homework, you know, have your, even, even for the, the resume, before you get, um, before you get an interview, you need to make sure that you, it, it, there's no spelling mistakes. There is no, um, you know, study the job description and see what they're looking for. Make sure it's worded in a way where you, it's going to give you a higher success of even uh, getting an interview for that job. Hiring managers usually love to see uh, the candidates showcase their enthusiasm for the industry and their commitment to staying up to date with the latest trends and threats, especially in cybersecurity field. Absolutely, because it's, it's ever-changing. So there's so much new every single day. So, And I, I think they kind of expect you to. If you're looking to step into a cybersecurity job, and we're just talking in general terms right now, they will expect you to stay on top of this. They are hiring you to be someone who is constantly connected, is read upon, has, uh, has gained skills. Even if um, I say there's a lot of free training out there. Um, our, for example, our program is a free training, so there's no tuition and there's a lot of hands-on workshops. Find those programs where you can get as much hands-off on as possible, because then you can speak to that specific uh, project or a task that you've been asked to do as part of the job a lot more intelligently. You know, you, you, you're going to look like you've done you know, you are involved, even if you may not have two, three years of experience, but you will show that you are super, super interested and engaged 
in all that. Uh, Carmen, how have you helped educate and raise awareness about cybersecurity among the general public? What more can be done to improve understanding and increase adoption of best practices? Well, one of the things that I, I have noticed, I mean, there, there has been quite a few, um, quite a few companies have built a content that is around cybersecurity awareness. I've seen a lot of companies, specifically in the U.S., they they have the cybersecurity awareness training in their employee handbook and is part of something that employees always have to do. It's they have to sign that they have completed it. If you if you have not completed completed the cybersecurity awareness training, a lot of times that reflects on your performance review, which is I think it's a, it's a good way to to kind of just bring people to understanding that look, it's not that big of a deal uh, um, to to do this ongoingly. You have to stay on top of it. You know, it's just go through with the training and raise that level of awareness as we get new threads daily. There, there are new ways of uh, us being, you know, at risk uh, because we're so connected digitally. So, Absolutely. so I think a lot of corporations, yeah, are doing that. However, um, for the general public, um, I really think that um, government uh, specifically should have all of the training available at no cost. We should have a publicly available uh, cybersecurity trainings, um, and and it, it kind of incorporated in a lot of things that people already do. Um, you know, I when I was just recently in Japan, I and we took a lot of uh, taxis, <laughs> a lot of cabs, and they have these screens in the back, and they have all these ads about this and that, and they have little skits about certain, you know, just promoting different things. And um, I talked to one of the CISOs in in Tokyo. Uh, about how great it would be if for for just for general public awareness if we did some basic question about you know what do you what would you do what's the best thing to do for your phone to immediately set up the first level of defense right just just very very sort of quick quick questions and answers and it's out there people pick things up if it's out in their face you know it it has to be out there um written and, and distributed in very simple way, in a way that people are already consuming information, right. if you know what I mean. In a way that is digestible for them. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And and start as early as possible, you know, elementary schools. I think it's it should be part of the part of the classes. They should have a cybersecurity awareness classes in elementary school and then uh, middle school and then the high school, of course, and then also our seniors, our senior citizens, they all have uh, smartphones. Right. Yeah, we, we need to do more. Based on what we are witnessing now with chat GPT and machine learning, um, it looks like AI powered tools in cybersecurity will likely become increasingly important. What are the chances that they will replace human workers completely in some areas of cybersecurity? Um, that's a million dollar question. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. We already have capabilities, you know, in AI. We, we've got specific uh, to cybersecurity. We have a lot of monitoring tools and sort of um, um, endpoint protection that it's it's claiming to be self-healing. It's, we're not quite there where it, that's completely true. But there is a lot of technology and a lot of um what we've already built that serve 
the purpose specifically in technology. But if you if you're asking me about this sort of a general question about certain jobs, I think what we are we are really uh, talking about is um, AGI, which is is um, more of a what do you call art, artificial general intelligence mm-hmm. is, and that is something that we we're not quite there yet, um, and it's something that uh, is really talking about the critical thinking, right? Once we can get AI to the point where it does the critical thinking, then we may be more at risk of losing some of the jobs we currently have. And AI is certainly that a machine learning, um, you know, it cannot get into wrong hands. I mean, it, it, you know, it has been a conversation for quite a bit in cybersecurity community is how do we ensure ethical use of AI? Um, Because as with any other applications, AI is programmed the way you program it. So if you use unethical, um, you know, unethical programming, right? It's, 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 that's built into the AI, then obviously it's not going to be good. It goes in the opposite direction. It's not what we want. We wanted you to use it for the good of the world, not for the bad of the world. Um, exactly. So threats are there and hackers has already, um, you know, taken that in. Um, we have, as you probably know, we have, it's almost like an organized crime these days. So they will be exploring all, everything already exists. They will be taking what we've used for the good of humanity and turn it into something that can be uh, exploited from their perception. So um, there is not, I still feel like there isn't enough rules in place for who can, who have access to, to the technology uh, and also, we have no no visibility, almost no visibility, how uh, AI has been used. We we just know that <laughs> there have been constant breaches, you know, and sometimes we know how the breach has happened. But really what it comes down to is, can we put more time, um, more money into educating people that are building the AI technology, you know, ensure that there's a, of course, um, ethical um, concept, there's an ethical um, thinking behind everything that's built on AI technology, um, and, and put some guidelines in place, you know, more more policies, more oversight globally, um, we, we, which we don't have. So anyway, that was a long answer, but they're threats and they are benefits. So we want to use it for the good, not for the bad and how do we, what do we, what do we do to limit the use of that and turn it into something that is is going to provide you know just a bad news for for the entire world versus you know for the use of good talking about that what significance does it hold to enforce cybersecurity regulations on ai through legal means yeah, um, it is significant if if we as and I'm talking about the global community and and global. For example, we have authorities that actually um, have uh, guidelines and regulations and policies. So that, but it doesn't matter if just one country does it. It doesn't matter if just one. You know, it's this. This has to be done at the global scales. And I think it's important that we have that in place. It, we're still not there, but um, but definitely it should be enforced at that level. 
Right. At least like ensuring responsible development, as you mentioned. So regulations can help ensure that AI is developed and used in a responsible and ethical manner by ensuring that like uh, security by design, security by default principles and with human safety in mind, which is the, the most important one. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot of work to be done there. As much as we excited about, you know, <laughs> AI and ML and even VR and AR technologies, even quantum computing. It's so interesting. If you take AI and a quantum computing power, oh my gosh, it's yeah. like you, you've got, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dreadful results can be, Yeah. Incredible. Right. Incredible. And that is in works now. I mean, I, I work with company in, in Middle East that, are, they, they actually have quantum computers and they um, have hired programmers. They're going to develop applications running on their quantum computers. It's also very important to, to promote trust and transparency. So the regulations can, can help promote transparency and um, in the development and use of the AI power system. And this can help build public confidence in these systems and encourage wider adoption. Absolutely. Uh, more transparency, more awareness um, that we have around the AI and ML development. It's it's definitely super important. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you for your outstanding gift of service you're giving to the society in shaping a better future of cybersecurity and for being an exemplary role model for others to follow. Keep up the awesome work. It was a pleasure having you here today. Well, thank you for having me, Ayuna. It was it was lovely to to chat with you. And you know, you can tell I'm passionate about it and, and I could talk all day <laughs> about it. So thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Cyberstar Talks podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow us, leave a review, and tune in monthly for the upcoming episodes.